Hello and welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Dr. Andrew Trasetta and joining me again this week is Dr. Peter Bagshaw. We're going to talk about anxiety. Hi there. Thank you. And uh, maybe a good place to start, Andrew, is looking why anxiety is an issue and where it arises from. And like so many mental health problems, it's actually an exaggeration of not just a normal response that we need, but actually one that's very useful. So when particularly uh, when we're in as cavemen and things like that, we needed to be aware of, uh, of cave bears going to jump out of us. So having a degree of anxiety and being slightly on the alert was a really useful thing. And it's still valuable today. In addition, the physiological changes that it produces uh, of increased adrenaline and so on helps us with that fight or flight. So it makes us able to work more efficiently uh, at times of stress. Andrew, do you want to say a little bit more about the physiology? Yes, please. Thanks, Peter. So we're saying that anxiety is awareness tinged with a bit of fear. Uh, and we'll all remember that our, um, our human bodies are, are, are the bodies of mammals, and we've got engine management systems, just like the, uh, the cars that we drive. Uh, and there are two main systems. There's the sympathetic, the alert, danger, fight and flight mechanism. And then there's the parasympathetic, the relax, chill and digest. The sympathetic is nothing to do with sympathy. And that's where the adrenaline comes in. Um, and it's, it's the alert mechanism enabling us to deal with danger. We can either fight, we can flight, or we can, uh, or we can freeze. And this is when danger is happening. Uh, as you said, Peter, there are physiological changes. Adrenaline floods the body. Um, what, what are the physiological changes? Can you remind me, Peter? Which are the first ones that you come to mind? I'm sure you don't need reminding, Andrew, but as you put me on the spot, I can feel some of them kicking in myself. So heart racing. Uh, you get a dry mouth, which is what lies behind um, some of the, uh, the, the uh, lie detector tests. Uh, your your skin uh, closes down, your gut stops. Sometimes you actually feel the need to evacuate your bowels. So it's all the things that prepare you uh, for that instant action. And it's very useful. Pupils dilating. Yeah, pupils dilating. Mouth is dry, but palms actually go sweaty. So we often get sweaty hands with anxiety. And as you say, we feel butterflies in our tummies and we feel that, that heightened alertness and our vision becomes tunnel vision and the other thing that happens is is we disconnect some of the parts of our brain that we don't need for immediate survival but actually you and i as human beings really do need in life which are the thinking parts we we go on to um on to reflex uh, and that's difficult because if we're in if we're in an anxious state because there is something chasing us we need all those physiological responses to escape to run fast to climb a tree but how about normal life, Peter? Uh, uh, Peter, how about how does that um, affect us? I think uh, you know there are still situations uh, today when it's useful. I was um, uh, pruning a, a branch of a tree, and the ladder I was on started to slip, and it was really quite useful having that kicking in very, very quickly. So it, it's still of value today. Or if we step out and a car comes, something like that. I guess the problem is that we're not in those situations that often day to day. So it will often kick in inappropriately. 
And also, as well as that acute physiological response, you also get increases in cortisol and other stress hormones that can go on to keep making you feel anxious long after the cause of it has disappeared. And that can be very harmful. Yes. And what are the other feelings that people get associated with anxiety? Um, so it's heightened awareness and fear, feeling anxious, feeling distressed, um, upset, um, worried. What other words might we use to, to describe anxiety? I, th I think that's right. And uh, something I, we both see in surgery a lot is people who can't sleep because they've, they've still got that physiology running very fast and they just can't wind it down enough that they can relax enough to sleep. You can start to imagine that something bad is going to happen. Uh, and that can be very damaging, can't it? Yes, yes. A fear of impending doom. And, and as well as the raised heart rate, people can also feel breathless at times uh, uh, and um, find themselves worrying or find themselves with indecision, um, restlessness, uh, and even sort of muscular twitches and raised blood pressure. Absolutely. And if it, if it flips over into a full-blown panic attack, which is basically just severe anxiety, then you get other things. So as you say, people feel breathless. So in fact, they will overbreathe. And then you get carbon dioxide being washed out from the blood. And that produces all sorts of strange muscle cramps and things like that, which is why the, the old fashioned rebreathing into a paper bag is, is actually effective because it's helping to counteract those physiological changes, isn't it? It is. I'm glad you've picked up on the rebreathing because the breath is really important. Um, if we look at um, mammals around, whether they're cats or dogs as pets or whether they're um, animals in the field, sheep and cows, they spend the majority of their time on parasympathetic chill. They are resting, they're digesting. I mean, I know the cat's always ready for the bird that's going to fly by, but uh, so there's, the, there's a bit of sympathetic tone, there's a bit of alertness there, but they're relaxed. Human beings, it seems, many of us are not relaxed. We're buzzing, we're busy, there's lots of stimuli in our daily lives from, from the physiological needs of, of, of whether we're hungry or whether we're, we need a drink to um, what we've got to do for work to interactions with other people to um, devices going going ping or telling us that we, we need to be doing something or somebody wants to get hold of us and that puts us on to alert it feels like a threat um, and when the system goes on to threat we have the adrenaline and we start to feel anxious and depressed and some very interesting things happen to the breathing instead of regular rhythmic slow diaphragmatic breaths using our tummy muscles we start to breathe rapidly shallowly chaotically and from our upper chest and if i change my breathing my my, my voice a little bit um i'm i'm on anxious mode now i'm speaking rapidly i'm hardly taking a breath and it's only a shallow one if I, and maybe we could do this together, Peter, can I invite you and, and our listeners as well, as long as they're not driving a vehicle, to put their feet on the floor and just allow themselves to take three slow, regular, rhythmic breaths and just notice how that feels using tummy muscles for the breath, comfortable posture, gaze horizontal, and what we have done 
is change things. How does that feel, Peter? It feels much more relaxed. And you touched on this in our last podcast, these simple techniques that you can use, and they're incredibly powerful, aren't they? So uh, as well as the breathing, that feeling of mindfulness of being aware of what's going on, not in your head thinking, what's my next meeting, uh, but what's happening right now around you, what you can hear, what you can feel, becoming aware of those sensations and being in the moment is, is a very good way to relax yourself. Yeah, being in our own body. There are some other simple approaches to anxiety because some of the things we do, we've just talked about stimuli, but some of the things we do actually make us anxious. For instance, if we don't sleep well, that can put the body onto alert and make us feel anxious. If we drink more than a moderate amount of tea and coffee or, or other caffeinated drinks, for some of us, that puts us on to anxiety because caffeine is actually chemically related to adrenaline. Um, and uh, you and I would have both seen people in the surgery who, who are anxious, but when you find out that they're drinking 15 cups of coffee a day and suggest that they might like to change that, or maybe, maybe only half a dozen, everybody's, um, everybody's different. That can that can bring on anxiety. I, I seem to see a lot of uh, long distance lorry drivers who will have uh, these energy drinks, as they're called, to to keep them going. And of course, it's not really energy at all. It's it's basically caffeine. Uh, so they then suffer the effects of that and often don't even realise that, that they're having a lot of it. The other thing that people sometimes do if they're anxious is to take sedatives, alcohol in particular, uh, which calms you down for a while, but you seem to get that rebound afterwards. And it makes anxiety much worse in the long term. That's very interesting, Peter. There's that uh, phenomenon called the glutamate surge. So uh, al alcohol acts as a depressant. And so if we have it in the evening, it may help us, it feels, to go to sleep. But uh, there's that point four to six hours later when we wake up uh, wide awake, can't go back to sleep. And that's because the body is still producing glut glutamate, but the depressant effect of the alcohol has worn off. Sadly, there always seems to be that, isn't there? And I don't know if we're going to come on to medication later on, but exactly the same thing happens with that, that the, the sedatives and so on, which, which help calm you down, seem to produce a, a rebound anxiety once they wear off. The other thing I think might be worth mentioning about the situation we're in is that, as we've said, anxiety is normal, but because we are being stimulated and made anxious by things going around, but are physically inactive, it doesn't wear off that adrenaline. It seems that that being vigorously physically active is a very good way of, of getting all that adrenaline out of your system. Do, do you agree, Andrew? Absolutely. Um, whether that's regular exercise um, once a day or more frequently, or whether it's just taking screen breaks um, if, if you're sitting at your computer for too long, yeah. um, anything that moves the body around, that gets you moving, um, that's, that helps patterns of tension that have solidified in the body to relax changes our feelings. And that's, that's a very powerful thing uh, that we can do. I'm interested that you mention about uh, patterns solidifying. A lot of us go around in a state of tension, physical tension, that we're not aware of. And when I was a, a medical student, we were doing various experiments. And one of them uh, is a technique that's still used very widely, where you go from top to bottom, relaxing each part of the body as you go. And at the end of it, only takes a few minutes, uh, you, you become aware of how most of the time, most of us are actually very tense without yes. even realising it. 
Yes. I think there are some apps that are able to help on that these days. Um, and there's the Breathe app, uh, I believe, um, helps us focus on that. Um, Headspace is a useful one which helps um, us with being mindful. And there's an Unmind app, I think. Mind? Yep, that's uh, right. Any others you know about? No, I think those are the main ones, but it's all very simple stuff. And uh, again, for people who are skeptical, just try it and see. So the, the way I was taught doesn't even need an app. You just pick a part of your body, you tense it up as hard as you can uh, for 10 seconds or so, and then you relax it and you notice the difference between the before and after. Thank you. And uh, you and I are both recording here in Somerset. Uh, not everybody who listens will be in Somerset, but we're very privileged to have wonderful landscape around us. Uh, and even our towns, I think Taunton's one of the best floral towns in the, in the country or has been over the years. Um, nature is very powerful, whether it's uh, an image on your phone, whether it's something on the television, or, or whether it's the beautiful landscape uh, that we have around us, the hills and the greenery and, uh, and blue skies and flowers and trees. They seem to stir something deep within our soul that helps us feel, feel calmer. Mm, I, I completely agree. And, and anyone can have that. I went to medical school in Birmingham, uh, which is not, a, not as, uh, as green as Somerset is. But even there, you could find pockets of nature where you could just watch the birds going about their business and uh, life going on. And it, it seems to calm the soul, doesn't it? It does indeed. So, Peter, once anxiety has gone beyond the normal state and it's persistent and we feel ourselves in an anxious state all the time. Um, there are ways of, of helping that. Um, anxiety can be a natural part of, of, of gaining confidence in a new area, and we always feel anxious when we do something new. But if it, if it becomes, uh, at what point is it a problem, and at what point should we be seeing our doctor about it, and, and what can be done then? And I think the answer to that is it becomes a problem when the person feels it's a problem, when it's getting in the way, when it's stopping them functioning. Uh, so for a lot of my patients, the, the issue is precisely this thing that they're unable to relax enough to sleep. And they then get into this vicious cycle where they feel worse the next morning. They function less well at work or at home. And then they, they feel anxious about that. So once it gets beyond that, and once people have tried the remedies which uh, you've been suggesting, which are incredibly helpful. And I, I absolutely wouldn't underestimate that. Most people deal with anxiety without needing to go anywhere near their doctor. But if they feel they do need extra help, happily, there's a lot available. And again, I'd stress it's drug therapy is a last resort for always. So the standard thing, for instance, would be to go to one of the talking therapies. And there's this technique called cognitive behavioral therapy that's well evidenced, it's got a lot of research behind it. And most people with mild to moderate anxiety or depression uh, get better going through this course of cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, in addition, in Somerset, we're very lucky in that we've managed to obtain funding for primary mental uh, health workers who are now going to be in every practice. And people in Somerset can refer either through their GP or directly to those workers and they can go through the simple steps and help people overcome their problems. And in addition, of course, sometimes anxiety is due to your surroundings. So seeking help if the problem is due to housing or uh, 
difficulties in your life. So getting counselling and help for those problems will often correct the underlying anxiety. What, what do you feel the most helpful interventions are, Andrew? Um, I, th I think you've covered them all um, very nicely, uh, Peter. And as, as we say, medication is probably a last resort. I think probably the key thing is, is trying to normalise life and put, put fuel in the tank before it gets too empty and we run into symptoms to ensure our emotional and mental health is, is supported. And I think the good sleep, um, good good food and enough water, um, time to exercise our bodies to make those muscles move, to uh, do what nature intended our bodies to do, and to spend time in nature uh, physically is great. Uh, if we can't do that, and you know, maybe it's evening or nighttime, or we've been doing night shift or other things, then YouTube's got some great um, videos of underwater scenes of nature uh, and other, other resources. But it's, it's how can we help ourselves in a normal state um, enhance that calm um, that helps keep us away from anxiety. And also, I suppose we're all learning in life, Peter. We're all learning from the people around us. Um, relationships sometimes cause us grief, sometimes cause us anxiety. Um, what are we learning from that relationship? What's the message? Rather than getting frustrated or angry or, or irritated in the situation, what are we learning from it? I was chatting to somebody who's uh, an author, and uh, he was saying, well, it, it's great writing books because when anything bad happens, you just think, oh, that's a wonderful plot for my next book. So it's turning your, your mind around and trying to look at things in, in a different way, I think, that counts. So, Peter, we've talked about some of the, the uh, general approaches to anxiety. If it gets really bad uh, and we have to take ourselves to the doctor, are there medications that we should be using? I think there are medications that can be used. Uh, to answer your question precisely, I don't think there are medications that we should be using because they all have problems. So if I run through them briefly, it's kind of to illustrate the, the problems that they can have. So we talked about the physical effects of a rapid heartbeat and so on, and that can be blocked with things called beta blockers, propanolol in particular. And that can be quite useful in slowing the heart rate if we're aware of a, a rapid heart and palpitations. Um, in some people, it can be risky, particularly asthma, for instance, is a contraindication, and it can drop your blood pressure, and it also gives you cold extremities, and it can give impotence and so on. So it's, it's not a drug we would, we would rush to, but at least it has the advantage that it doesn't make you drowsy and uh, doesn't cause addiction. When you get to mind-altering drugs, all the uh, diazepam, the sleeping tablets, things like that, all of those make you drowsy. All of them have the potential for addiction. And although more recently uh, there have been new drugs come along, gabapentin and pregabalin, which were hoped would relax people without this, sadly, it seems that they're equally addictive to the old-fashioned drugs. So currently, we would only use these in very short quantities for very uh, small amounts of time and, and recommend people not to take them regularly. And then finally, there's a, a drug which is sometimes used for insomnia, uh, for sleep, which is amitriptyline. And that's an old-fashioned tricyclic antidepressant. It, it, it doesn't cause addiction, uh, apparently, but it does give a lot of dry mouth, 
Uh, if you've got retention problems, it can put you into retention. And it seems to make you more prone to get dementia and things like that. So uh, uh, quite a dirty drug and one that, that in some people makes them feel very hungover the next morning. So uh, sometimes used, but try and keep away. So I think the main message is don't go to your doctor expecting a magic pill because they're sadly not magic. And if at all possible, we will use them only either in very short time span or get you to do talking therapies, which are a much better way to get the problem back to normal long term. Is that a, sorry, that's a rather long winded roundup, uh, Andrew. Is there anything you want to pick me up on? Peter, that's a really helpful roundup. And so how lucky we are to live in Somerset where we can get a good dose of nature because our bodies were designed over hundreds of thousands of years. They've got a physiology. Um, anxiety comes from the alert mechanism. If we understand the physiology, if we understand our body's needs and we attend to them, we exercise our muscles, we get good sleep, we don't drink too many uh, coffees because that's stimulating, uh, and we uh, attend to needs and and just I'm just keep coming back to the thought of nature and how nature can help us feel calmer, a good dose of that, and how our relationships we can choose how they are we can try and make them go positively they aren't always they aren't always easy they say that those who love us the most give us the hardest time and certainly um we we learn about life in our close relationships um that's where we can try and develop these qualities if we aim for not not going not being stuck in fear or anxiety or distress but try and find out how to calm ourselves and, and what's the learning from each situation. I agree. And fear can be a useful thing, as we've said. And uh, there is, if I'm allowed to plug a book, there's one called Feel the Fear But Do It Anyway, which I think sums up if people are feeling anxious, don't retreat. Uh, use the anxiety in a positive way. Um, and as Captain Tom would say, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and hope tomorrow is a better day. Thank you. Susan Jefferson's great book. And have we got any um, particular telephone resources in Somerset that people could access, access that you would recommend? Yes. I mean, we're uh, very lucky in, in Somerset. We've set up this 24-hour uh, Mindline. And if people just search online for uh, Somerset Mindline, that will take them to the uh, appropriate uh, phone number and website. Uh, as I say, there are also these uh, courses available through uh, GP surgeries, Somerset Talking Therapies, again, search online Somerset Talking Therapies and you can self-refer to that. And if you want to be referred to the mental health worker, again, uh, just contact the surgery. You don't need to go through your doctor. They will give you the, the contact number and you can go directly to that. And there are lots of uh, national charities as well that, that are available. Uh, the uh, Headspace is, is a, a famous one, of course, that uh, has a royal patronage. That's great. Peter, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the NHS Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.